Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Joe Prano. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host of the day, the Twin Towers, back together, the dream team, Mr. Tug Coker. Hello, Joe. Tug, how are you on this fine Monday morning? Happy 2020 to you. Yes. It's a new year. New year, new you? It is new year, new me. I'm, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Is that the goal? <laughs> I mean, you and I both are tall, so we can carry a lot of weight. Yeah. I did uh, make the mistake of stepping on a scale over the holidays. What'd you come in at? 240. Two, you're not 240. 240 now. pounds. That's not possible. How Act. tall? What are you, 6'5? Yep. 240. You carry 240 a lot better than I carry <laughs> 206. 240. That's incredible. I can't believe it either. Yeah. So it's got, it's got, I got to lose it. You, I mean, you have two kids. You can officially own the dad bod. Well, I eat all the leftover waffles that don't get eaten. <laughs> yeah. You know, any chicken finger that goes untouched is mine. So I got to cut a 15 out. You know, I want that sort of skeletor look that all the stars have. You were watching the Golden Globe last night. I was. The over tanned, the gaunt face. That's got to be me in 2020. You know, I've always been being a tall guy. My my thing has always been to look at like Vince Vaughn's career. <laughs> I don't true, I don't want to be swingers Vince Vaughn, but yeah. I don't want to be like current Vince Vaughn. That's I think true. I need like the breakup Vince Vaughn. It is true that we kind of look to our guys. Yeah, um, and Vince, like Vaughn Vince Vaughn's gotten a little bit swollen. <laughs> yeah. You know, Vince Vince Vaughn's last movie, he was stung by a million bees. Uh, but you know, I'm not trying to be Trent Vince Vaughn. Just that, you, just old school Vince Vaughn. Do you loop uh, Affleck into the tall man group? A little bit. He's I, like six two, so he's kind of small. Yeah, he's, he's a small. <laughs> he's a small tall. Um, we should uh, before we get into the sports today, we should uh, talk briefly about uh, the fact that our the captain of this dirty sports. Uh, ship Andy Ruther is not with us today, and you were nice enough to fill in last minute. Uh, been a tough uh, few months here at the Dirty Sports Podcast with uh, our, our family members of uh, of us hosts uh, going through some some difficult times. Andy uh, left on an emergency uh, flight yesterday during football. His mom um, has gotten a little bit sick and is um, in the hospital right now. Uh, I uh, sadly I don't know how Andy. I'm sure handles this fantastically when I'm out of town for similar things because I tend to not listen to the episodes. But uh, um, I just wanted to share with everybody that Andy's mom is um, is fighting right now. And uh, if you guys can, you know, obviously share your your warm thoughts with Andy um, or just you know pray for Andy if that's something you do um, he's always been fantastic uh, to me on this podcast when when I've gone through stuff with my family and uh, I'd like to do him the same courtesy and honestly this show is not the same without Andy Ruther Andy carries the the, the heaviest uh, of all the uh, weights on this show, you know we're not going live today because 
I'm simply incompetent and don't have the time to figure it out. Um, we, we've got to be out of here by noon today. And I was like, I looked at the lights. I was like, can't do it. <laughs> can't win with them. Yeah. So uh, Andy Andy really is the... Uh, he's a den mother. Yeah, he's the, he's, he's the one that makes this whole thing go. He's the lead sled dog. The rest <laughs> of us are just running behind him. Um, and uh, we miss him today. Uh, as as we always do when he's not here, and we're thinking about you, Andy, and we're uh, we're all pulling for for everybody in the Ruther clan um, today too. Couldn't say it any that, better. That everything comes out uh, positively, hopefully. Um, so that that being said, Tug, we had a uh, wild weekend of wild card football. It was. It's it's um it's we came on a, together on a great day. A lot of sports news to talk about. A lot of recaps. Pretty exciting weekend overall. Yeah, I would say you know not the football was not always the the highest quality, right? But maybe of the highest entertainment. Yeah, I uh, I I went into the weekend uh, with with certain expectations about the games, and it really was it was a weekend where you know you get to the playoffs, you think that the quality is going to improve, everybody's going to bring their best game. I feel like there was some questionable uh, coaching decisions throughout the weekend no doubt. uh i i put that all four games went under that's correct the the defenses showed up or the offenses didn't show up one or the this other this is a trend by the way if you look at uh, rich rebar uh, on his account i think he says under is dominated in the wild card week since 2011 so who knows what it is but you know for the betters out there in the world keep looking to eye that under trend for wild card weekend and i play in a uh, a playoff bracket pick pick all the winners from here to the super bowl and i was looking at the games in the first round the wild card weekend and i'd made all my picks and before i even reviewed them like in a snap thing i like kind of looked up and i was like i want three of four road winners because the trend in the season has been road winners the trend in this season has been um the road just road teams in general playing way better than expected. The last couple of years, we've had a lot of road winners. And I picked three or four road winners. I didn't pick the correct three or four road winners. But that's what it ended up being. Surprisingly, the one home team to win, the Houston Texans. And they needed everything. Yeah. They needed everything to go right. They go to overtime. A lot, a lot of bills. No, no offense to the fans out there, but a little bit of coaching shrinkage. And some un- unusual quarterback play yeah. from Josh Allen. Yeah. Some some moves that you maybe not um you're not calling out there. So let's start with that game as yeah. it was the first one uh of the weekend, the me, early Saturday game. Before we jump into that, can I just hear you you um did you keep your Super Bowl picks for the pool that you've had all year? I did not. So, so who are you rolling with cuz I I want to give you some praise um when it, when we when it comes to it, but who who are your teams? So I went uh preseason I went Packers, Chiefs, mm-hmm. those were my Super Bowl teams. Uh, for my bracket, I went 49ers, Chiefs. Yep. Um, I I still like the, this Packers team. I know you've called them Paper Tigers. I still believe it. Um, and I think that they maybe got a little bit of a break going into next weekend. Uh, not that Seattle is going to be an easy game for them, but I think they'd rather face... Paper Tiger Bowl. Yeah, face, face Seattle than, than maybe New Orleans, although who knows. Um, and then, you know, I was so close to just going 49ers, Ravens, but I don't think that's how you win a, Correct. a bracket. 
Um, also, if you look at the history in the last, I think it's 10 or 12 years, something like that, a lot of ones, a lot of one seeds make it. Correct. Um, but, you know, the 49ers have showed me something the last, you know, six weeks of the season, starting with that New Orleans game. And I just didn't see anybody really going into San Francisco with that defensive uh, line play and really having an easy time. There's no one I felt really confident in in them in in them losing to at home. Uh, on the other side, I think I'm sure a lot of people have 49ers Chiefs, um, but man, it, it Baltimore. It's like one of those teams where you talk about who gets hot for the playoffs. Baltimore, like how long have they been hot for? Does that dry up at some point? Did they? I feel like every year we have the question of did they peak too early? And to me, it seemed like um, the Chiefs have the best shot to do it. I took 49ers Chiefs, 49ers over Chiefs because I still don't want anything to do with like putting cash money on Andy, Andy Reid to, to win the Super Bowl. I, I agree with you. I, I like the Chiefs. To I actually think the Chiefs have a really good shot to win the Super Bowl. I think they're three to one currently. I, I have, I'm a big Lamar guy. I'm a big Ravens fan. I agree with you on a lot of points. Um, and I just feel like the Chiefs. You and I both picked the Chiefs to come out of the AFC to start the year, and they've flown under the radar. Yeah, you know they probably have. With all due respect to Lamar, like Lamar hasn't won a playoff game yet. Mahomes has. I just feel like he's ready to take that next step. Yeah. Um, and and if you look at Patrick Mahomes' season last year, if Patrick Mahomes has the season he had last year, this year, while Lamar Jackson plays like this, Patrick Mahomes is probably the MVP. Yeah, and probably the MVP again. Obviously, he had an injury. They handled it, I think, the way that you should handle, it, you know, injuries in the NFL, which is look, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to be healthy in week 16 and week 17 into the playoffs, get him his rest. Now, you know, he probably could have played through a lot of those games. They, they, the same way the saints did with Teddy Bridgewater, they survived. They, they won games and now Patrick Mahomes is ready to go. And honestly, I know there's a lot of people that are starting to go, yeah, the chiefs are coming around, the chiefs are coming around. But like at no point in this year was I like, Oh man, chiefs are, are scaring me. Their defense isn't what, you know, or whatever, because last year, they were on the verge of beating the Patriots, who go on to win the Super Bowl, and their defense wasn't nearly as good as it was this year. Your boy Stevie Spags, yeah, you know, got him, got him coaching him up, and I think it's a couple, couple scenarios. I just think the Ravens, the Ravens, oddly enough, have a harder path. I mean, the Titans are are red hot, yes, and I, you know, Derrick Henry. Nobody wants to tackle Derrick Henry right now. He looks like ten times the size of any NFL player. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet that he was like the kid in Pop Warner who parents just start screaming about his birth certificate. Like, Basically, let's see the birth certificate. I mean, he just is just crushing people. I don't think anyone wants any part of that. I, so, I tweeted that the next week's Ravens-Titans game is going to have an Army-Navy feel. Like, they should just agree three running backs in the backfield on both sides the whole time. Let's just run the shit out of the ball and, and may the, the toughest team take it. So I'm, I, I want to comment on your picks uh, as we go through the games, but uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to that because I, you know, I will, when we get to the Packers-Seahawks game, I will, um, I will heap a little praise uh, for your Packers pick, but, um, even though they are paper tigers. But you want, to talk, you want to start at the beginning? Yeah, let's start at the beginning uh, with, with Texans-Bills. The first thing I have on my notes is ESPN's J.J. Watt boner. Is, like, this is something I haven't seen since the Tebow 
playing. It's the whole yeah. Watt vortex. They show they show yeah. his brother tweeting a tweet. You know, like it's crazy. But like Deshaun Watson is making legendary plays, and they're cutting immediately to JJ Watt on the sideline. JJ <laughs> Watt's mic'd up. JJ Watt came in at one point early in the game, and uh, they threw a pass right through his arms, like got him right yeah. through the wicket, and it was like. There was a 15-minute breakdown about like how this game goes if J.J. Watt gets his hands on. It's like we're now in some sort of Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> fantasy world where we're rolling eight-sided die and like replaying how – like ESPN needs to fucking relax. You know, you know how the uh, BCS Championship games, they have multiple ESPN channels? Like yeah. The coach, they should do the um, alternate world game Yeah, where J.J. Watt would have had a sack and score with the actual score. The or score they should just have the J.J. Watt feed <laughs> yeah. where like it's only the J.J. Watt cam and it's only like, – because that's what their main feed was yesterday. Give people the option of having J.J. Watt boner on another channel because it's, it's uh, honestly ridiculous. Yeah, I mean – there's no disrespect for all the things he's done for that community. Yeah. Like, no one's taking that away. But he hasn't played in two months. And even Booger was like, he, you know, he hasn't made a play in three quarters. He did make, finally get one sack, but they yeah. still were able to kick a field goal off that sack. So let's just calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and now they win, and we get, I mean, next week, the J.J. Watt, it's just going to be, he's that much healthier. I demand what we just created, which is the ESPN Watt channel. Yeah. And just give us that coverage. We can flip over. If you want, if you're you know, a fan of Wisconsin football or the Texans, turn it on to the other channel. We don't have to see J.J. Watt or TJ. Um, Deshaun Watson, we can skip to the end, has his, this is his signature play of his career so far. Two guys converge on him. He escapes. He 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 goes for on a long run and, and sets up sets up the game win. Um, this Deshaun Watson and uh, Josh Allen sort of go back and forth in this game of like exciting quarterback play slash questionable quarterback play. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, does the sort of typical young mobile quarterback thing of I think holds the ball a little too long, tries to make too many plays, and then of course the the one play where he just eludes two tacklers and immediately takes off is is sort of the, his signature moment in his career so far. Was, Wait, but, but my play, my call on that play is I don't know where you're going to go, but he actually dumped it off to someone. Yeah. And they, he took it down 30 yards. Everyone's talking about that def, career, you know, it's a career defining play and it's going to be in his highlight reel when he retires. I agree, but to me, that play is a little bit overrated of a, of like a, a highlight defining play. It's not Eli throwing the, you know, the 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 ball to our boy uh Tyree right. or the Mar- Mario Manningham throw. He he makes a nice ev- evasive play, yeah. but he then he dumps it off to a guy who runs yeah. at 35 yards. Right. So let's don't get crazy. Right. About this, like hype for Deshaun. Although I, th- I'm a, I am a De- Deshaun guy. I'm just saying that play to me was a very good play. Yeah, but and, and also at the same time, two guys kind of collide. Yeah, they, he, they he knocked was, each other off. He wasn't down and out. But I guess my question to you is: it, Did it really? Did this game almost entirely come down to these two quarterbacks in the fourth quarter and overtime? One of them like finds a way to make a play, and the other one. It, it seemed like the wheels came off for Josh Allen in the fourth we, we quarter. All, I mean, every, Twitter had, had the same joke. I mean, we were all joking about like he's lost his mind. He's you know he's drunk on something. Like he, my the, my favorite play from him was one play that probably didn't even go noticed. We tried to hurdle a dude. Yeah, he yeah. tried to hurdle a dude in overtime. I mean, 
he was lateraling for, uh, for, for no, no reason, reason whatsoever. Yeah, got a first like, down. Nice gain. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't see him like he, a behind the back pass. He didn't try to lateral it to his receiver. He no. didn't try to lateral it to a running back that was running stride for stride with him like this is some sort of play. He just tries to lateral it to a guard who has wandered downfield. And in his defense, like every person in Buffalo looks like a guard. He didn't know if it was a wide receiver right. or running back. Yeah. So that's, but he also did try to chuck it yeah. to a, a fullback. Like it took a, wheel, a fullback went on a wheel route that he threw it like 40 it, yards. It was honestly, it, that was the play Booger called the YOLO throw. That was the correct? YOLO. And I, I got to say, shout out to Booger. I mean, he's getting crushed on Twitter. And I, I almost become, is it becoming fun to watch him? Because uh, here, we hate watching him, and now it becomes entertainment. No, everybody's commenting on it. There's multiple booger like fake accounts yeah. that are just saying obvious shit. But within one minute, YOLO was the number one trend in America yesterday. It's true. I, I looked at it again just to say, like, I kind of like YOLO throw. I think people will actually start saying YOLO throw. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, dimes has been a thing for a while, but like, really, uh, was it Hasselback or whoever, like, turned dimes into like, now we're going to do it. Every throw is going to be a dime. Dilfer, Dilfer's dime. Dilfer, right? Uh, we're gonna. It's now the Yolo throw. But he also saw a fullback sixty yards downfield in double coverage. Yeah, and, and he just chucked it. <laughs> he absolutely hurled it. And that was my reference to Buffalo. I want to say to all my people of Buffalo. I'm talking about the team. Everyone looks the same on that team. But but he, he did that multiple times. I mean, just chucking. Everyone knows he's got a cannon. And I, you had a nice tweet about like just throw, seeing you could throw the ball the furthest. Yeah, if we go to double o- overtime. I thought that was a, g- a good insight. But man, the wheels just came off. And like as much as I like McDermott, former you know a William and Mary alum, like you got you coached your team up. You're up sixteen to nothing. Yeah. Brian Dable uh, is getting praise as the offensive coordinator. You guys got to tighten the ship a little bit. Like you guys probably know he's prone to make. You've seen him all year. Make some. To, uh, curious decisions, right? You guys are in the, the driver's seat. You have to win this game, and and that's the thing. It's it's almost like the whole game. They had one strategy, and then they were like, fourth quarter, time to let them loose. <laughs> time to let the animal out of the cage. Yeah, and you're like, guys, you're you're doing great. There's no reason to unleash crazy Josh Allen right now. Now the Bills, they I mean they get to overtime a playoff game. They're they're right there. They they they're up big. You look around the team. Defense is great. Solid running game. Their their receivers questionable. Like they they definitely need a big time go to receiver. I mean, John Brown should not be your number one, but he's a no. very good yeah number two. And Beasley Beasley's is solid. great at a slot, but like they don't have the guy. I did. For for as well as I think people think Josh Allen played and has progressed, I did see a couple of people say, you know, a decent quarterback, and they win this game. Now I think Josh Allen played a decent quarterback in that game, but I mean, are you of the opinion that Josh Allen could be replaced with a, you know, middle of the pack quarterback, and that Buffalo team is better off? I think Josh Allen actually is like. Was pretty good. I mean, I think he played well enough to win. I thought I like the design. I mean, you guys, you and Andy have had a bunch of debates off of like design plays for running, running, you know, for quarterbacks. But yeah. like, he's big enough to take hits. Yes, at least, at least early on in his career. Yeah, and that was working. They couldn't stop that play. So if, for a one game scenario, they had the right game plan. Yeah, they just abandoned it. 
But I, I, you, you made me think of something interesting. Guys, who was the first team that Antonio Brown got dealt, dealt to before he denied it? Was that the Bills? It was the Bills. Wow. He said, I'm not going to the Bills. The Bills go to the playoffs. They could be in the final eight. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you talk Antonio- about a number one receiver. You could have the guy. Antonio Brown on that team is a, a, it's a world of difference. So it's very interesting. And that's what's crazy about uh, the NFL. And then I'm surprised, you know, I mean, and no one's supposed to know the future, but the NFL has so much turnaround. I mean, even if you look at the Antonio Brown situation, he left the Raiders who missed, like, he I feel like for the Patriots. Patriots are gone. Yeah. I feel like he bailed on the Raiders because he thought they're a dumpster fire. Had a Me- chance. Meanwhile, yeah. Are, are the Raiders two games better with Antonio Brown? Yeah, I believe it. I mean, the, the, I saw there's one team that was in the final eight last year. It was the Chiefs. Right. So seven new teams. You just never know. Now, Bill O'Brien tried to give away this game multiple times. It's in his skill set. I am, I've been the world's biggest Bill O'Brien critic for a long time. I know. Um, I'm also the kind of person who looks at a bad coach in a, in a situation and I go, keep him forever. Like, I'll sit here and keep saying, like, nothing that he did yesterday makes me change my opinion of Bill O'Brien, but great. Texans, Texans team, Texans fans, you want this guy as your coach? You want this guy as your player, like your your GM? GM? Keep him. Have him. Why? Like, I I, I don't care about the, like, I, I hate to, I'm not like Mr. Football guy or anything like that. I'm certainly not Mr. Anti Analytics, but how do you not kick the field goal there on fourth down late in the game? You have a 47 yarder for, you know, to make it a touchdown game, and you decide to just like I, that, that that decision is questionable to me. Very, I mean, very questionable. That happens again, I think, in the the Saints game, where there's some sort of in-game coaching issues. I don't know either. I mean, you look at like a couple quarterbacks out there in the NFL are winning in spite of their coaching, and I think Deshaun Watson is doing that. I mean, you look at from just from the GM standpoint, they traded Jadavian Clowney. Who's just destroying teams? Yeah, for for a bag of you know for guys who have not you know held up their end of the bargain. Carlos Hyde, like serviceable. So I mean they're winning, and Will Fuller. Will Fuller is a big difference to this team. Yes, anytime he plays, he 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 usually blows up. The problem is we can't you can't count on him. Right. So the, the Bills gave up the fewest points to fantasy. Uh, I mean to, to quarterbacks this year. They're tough to throw on. And they've kind of figured it out, you know. So I think it's just a matter of time. I think that, like, Bill O'Brien is winning because Deshaun Watson is special. Right. Um, so, yeah, I agree I, with you. I, I, unfortunately for Texans fans, I think that a win like this, just like happened to draw Connor Cook a couple years ago, which until, <laughs> until yesterday was his first and only playoff victory. He was 1-3. in three until yesterday in the playoffs with one victory over the Raiders led by Connor Cook. I feel like Bill O'Brien gets to keep doing his job here because of this victory. Where I mean, not that they fire him if he loses, but at least it shines a little bit more light on that he's a bad coach. Well, in my opinion. Bill O'Brien needed uh, Josh Allen to go backwards yeah. 40 yards. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't even talk about the play where Josh Allen thinks he's so athletic that he could do a spin move on a guy. Yeah. and moves to the other side of the field. I mean, the Texans needed everything for the Bills to go wrong, and then they really and they really and the Bills helped them out, and and they survive. And now, I mean, do you give the Texans 
a shot against well, the Chiefs. Well, you give them a shot in the sense that they beat them this year. Right. They've beaten the Chiefs this year. So, yes, I think they have a shot to, to do it. Um, I think the, the Kansas City defense has gotten better as the year has gone on. And they're 10-point favorites. To me, the Vegas says, um, yeah, the Chiefs are going to handle business. But yet, because they've done it once, I mean, you got you to say they got a shot. What about you? I don't think they have any shot, honestly. I think, uh, but but you know what? I said that about the Saints and the Vikings. I really didn't think the Vikings had a shot in that game. So yeah, any given Sunday. But the idea of Andy Reid after a bye is yeah. like Andy yeah. Reid after a bye is like undefeated, or you know, he's got one loss or some nonsensical and, thing in thirty years of coaching. And one one thing they talk about in the betting world is that like you know you get that sort of I don't want to say monkey off your back win. But it's a, it's the win that sort of gets you a little room to breathe. Like Bill Bill O'Brien has now had a successful season because he got a playoff win. Right. Will that be enough? Will that be a, a, whereas the the Kansas City Chiefs are motivated to avenge a loss, kind of get to the Super Bowl where they, where they fell short? Are the Texans a little bit more just relieved? When I got, when I watch Bill win? O'Brien's teams play, I I you look at Bill O'Brien on the sideline with the headset on and he's got to play, and I'm like. Is this guy an offensive coach? Is he a defensive coach? Like, I know he's was the quarterback's coach for Brady, and he's an offensive guy, and I think he's calling the plays. But, like, it just seems like their teams have no distinct personality ever. Other than now, well, you got Deshaun Watson, and you got DeAndre Hopkins, and hopefully they go off. Well, that, that's kind of my, uh, I said this earlier, but, like, the first half is really when coaching comes into play. Like, you come in with a script. And you have one of the best wide receivers in the game. And they don't get him the ball. And Kenny Stills is also a, a good... And they can't even get open. Yeah. It's not even like... Deshaun has to tuck it the, almost the entire first half because there's no scheme yeah, to there, get these guys open. There's no, there, there was never a play in the first half where Deshaun takes the snap and immediately goes to the spot where they know a guy's going to be open. They've, they've rolled him out and the tight end's coming free. Like I feel like every good offensive team has that at least in that first 15 script where they're like, "Up, oh, we love this." Yeah. We we know yeah. that this guy's going to be open. We we know that this springs him. Let's see how far it springs him. If nothing else, how many times yesterday, and we'll talk about this game later, with the Seahawks use a pick play? Yeah. Pick plays the the, the the Patriots have made their living off of pick plays. Just do something that puts your best player in space. Yeah. If they double, then you know, go to Stills or or Fells has had a good year, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Chiefs and the Texans. I hope it's it's Roll City for the Chiefs, but I, I we I think we all said this might be a crazy playoffs. As as a guy who picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl preseason and in my bracket, I'm stoked that they get the the Texans. Couldn't agree more. We get. I'm stoked. I, I, I'd rather that they have obviously the Texans than the Titans, but you know, even in a situation where they get the Bills, like I, I'd rather they have the 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 Texans. Than I would agree. Of. I think it's the best opponent situation the i mean honestly probably big story game of the week the second game on saturday the prime time game the patriots host the titans the end of the patriots era the end of the patriots dynasty i mean that is how everybody is handling the patriots loss to the titans every single person on social media tug is this the end of the patriots as we know it and I ask you this before you answer. Was Ryan Fitzpatrick winning a Week 17 game with a late drive, 80-yard drive down the field? Was that 
the real end of the Patriots as we know it? I'm going to say no on that situation. Although it was, it was exciting, it was great for all the Fitzpatrick fans out there, which I know you're you're uh, count yourself among them. But I, I don't. I just feel like the, the, they could have used that buy as every team, as you alluded to, like one and two seeds make it to the Super Bowl at a much higher rate than wildcard teams. But I just felt like their 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 tank was kind of running on empty the last half of the year. Yeah, I mean they got f- such a front loaded schedule this year, playing terrible teams or backup or third string quarterbacks, just like really benefiting from schedule. And then we saw that we saw they were unable to beat really any good quality team right. down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chiefs, Ravens, Texans all beat them. And the Dolphins, who actually had a, if you saw like the last nine games of the year, had a better record than the Patriots. Yeah. So all signs are pointing to yes, this was not going to be the Super Bowl year for the Patriots. Do I think it's the end of, I'm, I'm as intrigued as anybody. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of rumors about the Chargers somehow. Yeah. I don't know if exactly what that if that's going to happen. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, but and, I do, Andy was on that one early. Yep. Andy loves Brady the Chargers. He made an investment into Chargers yes, season tickets yes. based solely on this rumor. Could work out for him. But the, the, my question is like, what? Like, if you're Tom Brady, now obviously the Patriots have shown by not having Tom Brady locked up three years before he's due to become a free agent like they have his whole career or two years before restructuring his contract that they are about done with Brady. Like I think Belichick, I think, I think there's so many moving pieces here is McDaniels leaving is Belichick leaving is McDaniels and Brady leaving and going somewhere together is Belichick going somewhere. And that's, and McDaniels and Brady stay. I feel like there's no sign that Belichick is leaving, but at the same time, Belichick is sort of the the ultimate wild card. He at any moment he could just go. We're on to play golf. <laughs> I mean, I think Belichick is the most likely to stay in New England. I think he, you know, these guys have egos. I think he, they both want to win without each other just to kind of prove their historic status. So to me, I think Belichick's like, we'll let Brady go. I'm going to win it with Stidham or whatever, whoever you know, right. the guy is. Um, I'm, I'm I honestly don't know. My my crystal ball is very cloudy on this one. I think. I think it is the end of the. I think it is the end of a run. I mean, we should be as much as we all dislike the Patriots. They may cheat. They may not. Who knows? Like the, the run they've had is incredible, but you know, it's. It, it, I can't see it extending. I think. I think they also just the offense just looked so anemic this year. No, no real like the Gronkowski really. That sort of left a giant hole in their offensive scheme. Again, I mean, Josh Gordon hasn't done really much anything with this, the Seahawks. But why they left, the, why they dropped him, I don't quite understand. Yeah, and then Edelman with the big drop. Lets big, him, that was a big drop. Lets and, him down. And everyone says you know Edelman is clutch, but Edelman does have a lot of drops throughout the year, so yeah. you can't be that surprised. It's kind of caught up with him. But um, but you know, I said last episode. The other thing with this Patriots team is it it always seems like Belichick looks at his team and goes, which one of these sides of the ball is going to be our strength? And goes all in on that. For years, it was defense, run the ball, sis Tom Brady. Like, you know, he's going to throw for 175 yards and a touchdown, and Venetieri is going to kick a field goal. Exactly. And that's how he's, and, and, and that is the majority of Tom Brady is the GOAT resume is based in very much game manager, super three Super Bowl Tom Brady. Then you, they flip the script when that defense 
sort of falls off in personnel. Now they got the two tight ends and they have this whole other scheme. Now they're going, you know, the 18 and one team and they've got this, like it, it goes full other side of the ball where Tom Brady's throwing for 450 yards in Super Bowls. And it really seemed like this year he went all in on that defense and all in on the defense stopping sort of the modern offense. We're not going to let guys pass on us. And then in the end, it kind of bites him in the ass because he gets a beast in Derrick Henry in the first round. And he, the kryptonite is that they couldn't really stop the run the way they could stop the pass. They also had, you know, they had an opportunity. They're up 13-7 to in that game. Zero points in the second half. Zero points in the second half. Give up a late touchdown. In the, uh, in the first half to go down one, and then and then all, all the only points in the game were a pick six with nine seconds left. Besides the fact that the game essentially ends on a Tom Brady pick six, why do you why do you want to play football anymore, Tom Brady? What, what? I mean, he's uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, he, I think it's just he's been so successful for so long. I mean, I think I think he just has. There's been so much internal drama with the Patriots over the years. Like, who is really the great one? I think these guys are just still driven by ego. They still want to. They still. He wants to put one more video on his Twitter or his Instagram. Where does Tom Brady? Where does Tom Brady go next year? Where you're like, all right, watch out. Tom Brady's going to prove everybody once and for all that it was Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the Chargers to the Super Bowl? I don't hate that move because they're really talented offensively. But is Anthony Lynn the coach there? I, right. Like you, we talk about coaches that we don't know exactly what they do. I'm not sure. This is no, you know, I'm not trying to make it, uh, be offensive to Anthony Lynn. I just don't know if he walks in from Belichick to Anthony Lynn and is like, what is going on here? Right. Like who's, what's, like, what, what is happening in this organization that makes any sense? Now, like, we're, we're obviously. Like, th- th- to me, there's a, a little talk of Tom Brady to the Colts, which I just don't see simply because Patriots-Colts, the Brady-Manning, that it just, that just seems too, that just seems like, it, it, it's, I feel like Tom Brady cares about those kind of things. That's interesting. Well, you, you saw much, you saw him do a little piece on how much he loves um, Peyton. Yeah. And they did, they, they worked off, they worked together. And, and Tom said he, he learned a lot from working yeah. with uh, Peyton in the offseason. You know, that's a good point. I mean, obviously, uh, you know. I mean, I know you think the Colts are set at quarterback. I, I know they are. <laughs> I think they are going <laughs> to make some waves with Jacoby next year. He lost me a little bit of money, but still riding high. Looked through all the metrics of the year. He's perfectly same QBR as Tom Brady this year, oddly enough. But it would be interesting about this. Would they, they'd get, they get the band back together. The old QB room, Tom Brady, Jacoby, and Brian Hoyer. It's like old, you know, it's like family. Yeah. I mean, with like you got to think if Brady's looking around at the coaching situation that he could potentially drop into, you got to like Reich, or are you going somewhere with McDaniel's? I mean, where where is that opportunity? I mean, because what what are the best jobs available? We'll talk about McCarthy in a little bit. Rivera's got the Washington. The Giants actually look appealing if you don't have Gettleman there. But I think there's some pieces in place, right? But you yeah. can't, you're not going to take you're not going to bench Daniel Jones, right? Or are you going to bench Daniel? I mean, I don't think that they would. I don't think that that's their strategy. But in a situation like that, like you just said with the Colts, do you bench a guy to play behind Tom Brady for a year or two, and then come back and be your starter again? Like, is that for me? It makes sense because you know. But but then uh, and I and I know I'm the world's biggest Eli Manning stan. 
But then why do you do that this year then? If you have a great veteran quarterback for him to sit behind and learn from, like is 43-year-old Tom Brady behind a dumpster fire offensive line really that much more effective than a 38-year-old Eli Manning behind a dumpster fire? All the metrics point to Tom Brady being a bottom tier you know, bottom third quarterback this year wasn't just wasn't very productive. Now, is that is that because of the offensive players were unhelpful? Who knows? But I don't see I don't see it happening in New York. So what 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 about your boys in Dallas? Dallas with McCarthy, Tom Brady, America's team. Don't resign just, Dak. Just gets like I mean, he literally runs for president of the United States almost immediately after. He's he's keeping keeps America great again. Wow. Wow, you're blowing my mind right now. I, I just thought for sure, I, you know, I talked about this with, uh, on Twitter for a second. You know, McCarthy and Jerry had a slumber party on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah. Got in their jammies. Tom Brady kisses his son <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> exactly. They talked about it. They probably said, hey, listen, do we have Dak or are we going somewhere else? I'm, I believe that Jerry says, look, we're going to have Dak. We're gonna have no money. It's a, it's the Russell Wilson mid or mid mid teen situation. We have no money to pay anybody else. Maybe if we get convinced Tom to do the the Giselle discount one more time, I could see it happening. You know, let's just get old. Let's bring Des back into the mix. Let's get an you know an ever aging Randall Cobb in the slot. Let's bring in JJ Watt. I, I, have him play three or four games, get hurt for the year. Of all the places, here's the here's the other one that I really like, but there's just no way they can do it because of the money they spent. But like Tom Brady to the Rams, I mean, there's just no way. I agree. In theory, it makes sense. I, you, you kind of get that feeling that he like wants to have a little bit of shine in his life. He wants to move out of New England. Yeah, wants a little bit of that spotlight in a major uh, market. But you're right. I mean, they're just they're just they have no first of all they have no draft picks. They have so much money invested in Goff, Gurley, uh, I want to say um, uh, Ramsey, yep. and Aaron Donald. I mean, they're just going to eat so much money because Bortles, Bortles is making you know upwards of right a few million a year. So who knows, man? I don't, I don't. I mean, it's a great idea, but you're, you're right. It just doesn't make sense money wise. If you had to put money on it, where does Tom Brady end up? Everybody's saying Chargers, so it's the Chargers. Dude, I like your Colts pick because. Jacoby's making bottom third NFL quarterback money, and also they have the most. I think they have the most cap room in twenty twenty, and they have a great offensive line. Yeah, so you're going to protect Brady. You're going to protect an aging Brady, and also, which I said going into the season, you, if you're Tom Brady, you have to look at who is a quarterback away. I think the Colts are a quarterback away. the Col- The Colts were in control of a division. That now has two teams going on to the next round of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you also look at the, the culture a little bit snake bit with injury. T.Y. Hilton can't stay healthy. Funch just got hurt early. Ebron was out for the year. So there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of weapons. Uh, and, you know, they they drafted uh, Paris Hilton early, you know. So to me, that actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, and you look at, you know, Peyton, Peyton was sort of forced to move on. So yeah. Kind of opens up the playing field to say like you know rivalries don't matter. I, I got kicked out, right? And ended up with the Broncos, but I don't think there's enough of a. I think I think the Colts Patriots rivalry feels like twenty years ago. Feels like a million years right. ago. I'm gonna so, before we go back into talking a little bit more about this game, since we're talking about Brady and where he can end up, I have this query for you. There is many reports that before Garoppolo got traded to the Niners, that the Niners 
wanted Tom Brady? Are both the Patriots and the 49ers better off today if the Niner, if the Patriots had given up Brady and kept Garoppolo and the 49ers got Brady? Now, let me explain my reasoning here. Every team in football's goal, except the New England Patriots, is win one Super Bowl and figure it the fuck out after that. The Patriots is we're going to be in the mix every year. We're going to play in the Super Bowl every other year. We are building something where we want to be competitive. We want to win multiple Super Bowls every decade. Are the Patriots better off with basically a young Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, the passing of the torch, and are the 49ers better off right now with the reason I didn't understand the 49ers wanting Tom Brady then as I was like, you're not going to turn this around fast enough for Tom Brady to be effective for you. Meanwhile, they did just that. They have, they are the number one seed in the NFC two years later. And if you have a veteran Tom Brady with the way they run the ball with the Gronk like Kittle with that pass rush and your goal is to win the Super Bowl this year right now who gives you a better chance current Tom Brady or current Jimmy Garoppolo probably current Tom Brady I mean Garoppolo has not been great like like the, just the all the metrics say he's hasn't been as good as whatever the 13 and three record indicates but do do the Patriots win the Super Bowl last year with Jimmy Garoppolo that, and that's the question but the the question isn't See, to me, it's just if two look- years ago, we're talking about two years right. ago, right? So, to me, if you're looking at the Patriots, it's yeah, do they win that one, that one, or do they win one plus any others over the course of how long Garoppolo stays in New England? It's a good hypothetical. I mean, we all look back to that Seth Wickersham article on ESPN where it basically talked about the turmoil within the team of the Patriots. And- basically, the Patriots get one Super Bowl from keeping Tom Brady, yeah, and then. But um, but Belichick really wanted to keep Garoppolo, right? And there was some sort of apparently some of the you know the energy was like like we want to fuck you, Belichick, yeah, by you know sending this guy off. Um, and and the, language tug and the sorry, very heated yeah. today. And the rumor is that the the idea of even sending Garoppolo to the Niners was was born from them wanting Tom Brady. I think this year, I mean, granted, looking at all the numbers, Brady has not been great this year. But I still think, with the exception of giving a game-ending pick six, which they're on the nine, whatever, the one-yard line, Garoppolo is turnover-prone. I think he has a, a bigger, in the range of outcomes, Garoppolo has more more uh, outcome up uh, ranges where he's going to throw a pick to, to lose your game than Brady. So I think yes. My answer is yes. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's where you're leaning as well. Yeah. I think that that could be a a sort of forgotten turning point in, you know, the Niners might end up fine. You know, they might get a Super Bowl in Jimmy Garoppolo's career. I have them winning the Super Bowl this year. And if they do that, then this is all for naught because how many Super Bowls are you really getting out of Tom Brady if he goes to the 49ers at 41 years old. Definitely that was his one, childhood team. Like that's, yeah. that's his real dream. Definitely has one year of them rebuilding. They're already there. But like, even if Tom Brady went today 
you've got one or two more years of Tom Brady. So you've got 10-plus years of Jimmy Garoppolo. But the thing is, Super Bowls are hard to come by. They, you, you've got to win one. And I think that that is going to be something that not a lot of people are t- talking about is, could the Patriots have won more than the one more they got with Tom Brady if they kept Garoppolo? And do the 49ers, if they falter this year, and then God knows what happens going forward, did they miss an opportunity to steal a Super Bowl with Tom Brady? I think, it could, I think it's an interesting... It's an interesting question because the Niners wanted Brady and the head of the Patriots wanted to give him Brady. And 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 only Robert Kraft and Tom Brady were like, how fucking dare you? This is a very interesting offseason because there are quality quarterbacks that are available on the market. Now, we all think Brady's on the, you know, the end, but he's still serviceable. We also have Cam Newton out there. Yeah. Andy Dalton, who's not great, but can still... I mean, I'd like to see him in a different situation. Is it a Tannehill? Like, Tannehill's probably given a lot of quarterbacks some life, saying, see, put me in the right situation, yeah. and I will ball out for you. So I'm very interested to see what the Cares Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers will be Eli available. Eli Manning. I know you know he's done. Um, well, you know, I'm not saying he's done, but he, he doesn't want to be a backup. Right. It's a Flacco situation for Eli. Right. He, he might get a start, and then they're going to go to the new guy. Sure. So it doesn't look good for Jameis. Jameis is out there. And then there's a lot of teams with quarterback question marks, and the they're, they're, the big thing is whether or not they give up. Like, Jameis is a great Trubisky. example. Jameis, Trubisky, obviously the Rams are stuck with Goff at this point. You've got Dak, who wants a new contract. What what do they give him? Like, I, I think at this point, a lot of people are seeing teams hampered by going all in on guys that maybe they shouldn't have, and they're they're not sure... Does does the Jason Garrett situation for as long as he held as Jerry Jones held on to him and it didn't work out, does that change the quarterback situation? You know, does he go, huh, you know, I made this mistake with Garrett. Do I want do I really want I know he loves Dak. So I think he's gonna stick with Dak. But at what price? It's gonna cost him a lot. And that's why, you know, I you know, I've been on this show many you know, a few times arguing that like I actually said this on multi- your podcast on another one. That like, I, I regret the Cowboys giving Zeke money, and I wish they would have gone Jalen Ramsey and Derrick Henry. Yeah, they could have gone for at four Jalen, and then second round gotten Derrick Henry. And yeah, we'd be paying, but like we'd be so much better off. Like, yeah. I just don't feel like teams. I don't think teams think teams are going to get wise to paying the running backs. They might have to restructure some sort of way for court, running backs to be dra- uh, paid a lot at the draft. Because you just can't be paying Gurley, Zeke, all these guys the big money because it, it does hinder you know ability to pay, pay other people. And now with the Cowboys having to pay, it's a very Ramsey situation, you know, LA Rams because you have to pay Dak, you have to pay the the defensive line, you have to pay the offensive line, right? Zeke, like not everyone's getting paid. Yeah. A lot of trouble, a lot of trouble out there. Before we move on from the Patriots, Titans, I. Did you take as much joy in Vrabel out Belichicking Belichick as the rest of the world? There's a weird record out there where uh, Belichick has like a losing record against some of his old coaches or yeah. a player. Play, I fear what it is, but people that have a relationship to the the, the Patriots have you have Belichick's number? I, listen, I'm I'm as shocked as anyone about the Titans' resurgence. Very impressed. You know, so this is I'm. You know, did you have this game? You might. You might. I did. Yeah, that's a good call on you. I did not see this one coming. I thought we, we thought we'd get like it. Just seemed too. I mean, obviously, I 
hated that I picked it. I did pick it, but I hated I picked it because I was like, man, if I just lose a game, a, a wild card game to Tom Brady and the Patriots at home. But you look at it and you go just like, man, Derrick Henry is getting stronger and the Patriots can't stop the run. And they could, I mean, the, their offensive line of the Titans was dominating yesterday. They were dominating. I was looking up stats because Tannehill wasn't very good, um, well, at least numbers-wise. And I think the Titans are, as far as a second-round matchup goes, the toughest one that the Ravens could have asked for, too, because if you're going to play a ball-control game, play with Derrick Henry. Couldn't agree more. I think it's a great. We, we both said like the Chiefs got the better end of that deal for sure. The early game yesterday, our early Sunday game, Vikings Saints. Just to, before before Tannehill was eight for fifteen. Oh yeah, for seventy two <laughs> yards. Yeah, a pick and a touchdown. I mean, Derrick Henry went for thirty four and one eighty two. So really, I mean, as much as Tannehill's getting some love and Tannehill's getting a lot of love, but I think deserves it. But come on, eight yeah, that's a, that's a very Tom Brady <laughs> Super Bowl last year yeah. line. So, yeah, yesterday's game was very exciting. I mean, I, I mean, that, the Vikings game was the one game that I, I got right. But um, I like this Vikings team. And I think, you know, a lot of it, so much of it's in the head of Kirk Cousins and also the conservatism that comes out of that coaching staff. If they can just play a little bit more freely, I think they're dangerous. I think they're dangerous against the Chiefs. I love seeing that. I mean, I love seeing talk about guys going out to make plays. That throw to Kirk, yeah. Cousins did to Thielen in the overtime. Overtime, yeah. just a great play call, yeah, a great play great. executed well. Yeah, and you deserve to win when you make plays like that. Now yeah. it, it's it's sort of the it's the catch twenty two that the Seahawks and Seahawks fans deal with with oh you know if you just let Russell throw the ball he's so good he's so good like uh if you just let Russell throw the ball fifty times a game we we'd be Super Bowl champs every year but the conservative setting up that play action, setting up that play action, setting up that play action, and then literally only needing one of those a quarter where you throw a bomb. Down. I mean, look at that feeling. It's a great example. Like you're, it was a first down call. They're expecting them. They're, they've run with Dalvin cook. They've, you, you've, you've lulled them into believing Dalvin cooks getting the ball here. And literally, if all you do is play conservative to set up that one play, you were right. And, and Dalvin was good yesterday. Like, yeah. I mean, he went 28 for 94, two TDs. Nice to see him healthy. And you're, and you're right. Like, it's, it's not about, like, you know, it's not about YOLO throwing right. all the time. It's being selective. And you see that, you know, Thielen has been hurt this year, had a bad, you know, turnover, turned the ball over early in the game. I think he had a bad drop at one point. Diggs is like throwing his helmet. There's some. There's still some weird I- I- internal energy going on yeah. with the Vikings. The Diggs situation I don't get. They're winning the game. Yeah. And he throws his helmet. So he, the, the the thing that I've the, the only thing that I've heard about it is that he feels like he's wide open. That despite the fact that they're having success, they could be having more success if. Kirk Cousins is just reading him being open. But it's like, do, can you really complain about that while you're winning? Yeah. Just win the game and talk about it all week. And get yourself a chance to the Super Bowl. But 
Does but, this game alone prove anything about Kirk Cousins? Well, it doesn't help his Monday night record. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this is a big win. I mean, you're you're a eight point underdog to go in and, and win in New Orleans. Is it, it, that tells you it doesn't like it doesn't absolve him of all problems. But the it's, the, a, it's a it's a it's a quality win. The 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 Kirk Cousins question mark is he can't be good teams. God knows why you trust him on the road in a playoff game as an underdog. And I guess my question is, if you look forward to now, he has to go on the road to San Francisco with a good pass rush. Does anything that happened yesterday make you feel more confident, not in what the Vikings do, but what Kirk Cousins can do against a team with that kind of defense? I do, and here's why. I think... I, I do think the Niners' defense is very good, but they have been leaking a little bit of oil the past few weeks. They haven't looked as good as they have had in the past. They did give up a lot of points to the Saints, did get gashed a little bit in the this, this, this Seattle game, lost to Atlanta. So there are some causes for concern against that team. And I think the difference with Kirk may be is the pressure off a little bit. Right? They're under, are they supposed to win? Like, if we, if we lose to the Niners, we're, we're supposed to lose to the Niners. Like the big the game that mattered to them because they could have gotten maybe um, a home game was it the the egg he laid yeah against Green Bay which which he's which a game he's supposed to win that game right which is almost why yesterday's performance is so surprising you're like how is that the same guy who took a dump on the field against the Packers but then also you look at that Packers game and the pressure they were getting on Cousins and how he just fell apart under the pressure. And that's why I look at yesterday's game and I go, okay, you know what? The Saints weren't getting that same kind of pressure. The Niners have the ability to. Does he go back to that Kirk Cousins that played the Packers on Monday night? It's very possible. You, when you go clean pocket, Kirk Cousins is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's just a statistically proven thought. Now, I agree with you, but I think their offense, the Vikings' offense, is similar to the Falcons' offense where they where they have – they have weapons. Like yeah. they're, they're not. Oh, that, sure. It's not that far off from what the Falcons were able to do. So to me, I think it's a six and a half point game right now. If it creeps to seven, I'm buying the Vikings this week again because I think I don't know if they'll win, but I think there is pressure on the Niners. They are the one seed. They know that they you know they've got a, a wild card team coming in to, to beat them, and I think maybe there's something to the fact that Kirk Cousins feels like you know what got the monkey off my back. But it could be the situation where I talked about earlier, which is there's the relief win. We oh, I got one. That's that'll be right. enough. So I'll, I'll have to look around. And this I know week. you're riding the Kirk Cousins one o'clock game. I do like that theory. And this is not a true one o'clock. This is a one o'clock West Coast. Right. And uh, there's some great some nuggets out there talking about he lives his life off Excel sheets. Um. So I, who knows how much this is going to shake him, but. But I'm I'm willing to ride the Kirk Cousins train again, assuming you know he'll probably his the tall four tires will blow up at some point. The we have to talk about the Saints and in multiple regards in this game. Uh, fingers are being pointed all over the place on in the in the media on social media. Drew Brees doesn't play well. Doesn't get it done again. Correct. The Saints offense not great. Sean Payton is an offensive genius. They have all the weapons. They've got a good defense. They 
the the defense held them in check. It's not like this was a shootout. Uh, who's more at fault here? I mean, give like we just gave credit where credit was due. The Vikings came out. Kirk Cousins played well. Uh, they won the game. They they certainly will get into. I want to talk about the missed, in my opinion, pass interference call at the end of the game. But I don't think. I, I think that perhaps the best team won this game, regardless. Uh, who's at fault here? Breeze, Peyton, the combo of the two. I, I feel like Peyton gets a, a pass because he's had this. You know, he had the one Super Bowl, and he's been a successful coach, head coach overall for the Saints. But they've also had five losing seasons under Peyton. They've had, you know, uh, certainly questionable. He's he, as a, as an overall coach outside of oh, his offenses are great. His coaching resume isn't unblemished. I couldn't agree more. I think what's the difference between him and Mike McCarthy? Right. In, all, in all honesty, right? He got one Super Bowl out of Drew Brees. Everyone talks about how McCarthy kind of wasted Rodgers' good years. Did did did, did uh, Peyton not do the same thing to Drew Brees? Right. At least the, the Packers were, you know, until the end of McCarthy's reign, competitive every year. Some like heartbreaking losses in the playoffs. The the, the so have the Saints heartbreaking losses, but also mixed in with some terrible years. I think. And part of me is like, you know, Sean Payton has for years had some rumors of like, oh, he lives in Dallas, has a house in Dallas. Is he going to go to the Cowboys? He kind of bothers me. I mean, I'm sure Sean Payton's a great guy. But when I watch him on TV, he does this duck face thing. Yeah. The pursed lips thing. He just really likes, Sean Payton likes Sean Payton. And if you're going to, you know, take all this acclaim for being, like you said, an offensive genius and you don't get it done, then I think that the, the, the blame should lie pretty much squarely on the feet of Sean Payton. Now, Breeze wasn't great, and he hasn't been great in a lot of playoff games. You know, you know, it's funny. There's certain quarterbacks that you love and think are great that you think, uh-oh, the, 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 you don't necessarily think a turnover is going to happen with Tom Brady, but Romo had it. Yeah. And sometimes deep in games, you feel like Breeze is going to make well, a mistake. you know, there's guys in sports who, when they have the ball, and the game's on the line, you're like, fuck. Especially if you're rooting against them. Uh, you're like, and and this is where I've said LeBron passed Jordan, is when I watched young LeBron, I never felt that. I was like, hey, who knows what's going to happen. He's, he's going to pass, you know, which I never thought was necessarily a bad thing. But in the last few years, you're like, he's going he's gonna to do it. He's, he's going to make this shot. Jordan had that. Brady had that for a long time. Uh, even Rodgers, to some extent, like you, you don't want, like if you're playing against Packers, you don't want Rodgers getting the ball the minute and ten seconds left to go and the whole field to drive down. Um, Drew Brees has never, in my opinion, like you, you've never felt that way with Drew Brees. You've never been like all the stats are there, but damn, am I scared that Drew Brees just got the ball down six, you know, seventy seconds left to go in the game. And, you know, you look at Drew Brees in his legacy and where he stands on quarterbacks all time. In in a way, everybody's now elevated him to the top echelon because of all the gaudy stats. But I've said on this show before, you don't want your quarterback leading the league in passing. 
And Drew Brees has, you know, what, five 5,000-yard seasons or four 5,000-yard seasons or whatever it is, some crazy number. And that and the touchdowns all build to his career stats, but he just doesn't have that. He, he doesn't have that signature drive ever. I mean, the the, the Super Bowl. It's the onside kick. Yeah, the onside Tur- kick. Turnover. You the turnover. You think the, you know, the, the pick six. What's Breeze's signature moment? Well, Bree- Breeze is, you know, a lot. Breeze have a lot of Breeze's like highlight moments come on Monday Night Football. Oddly enough, and they're always in blowout games. Like he's one yeah. of the best at like getting you those junk touchdowns. And I think it does hurt them in some degree because Teddy Bridgewater came in and won every game he played this year. Yeah, he was five and zero oh when Breeze was hurt. And yeah, I I mean I think you and I are in agreement that like he's just uh, you know all due respect to a guy that's our age. Still, you know, looking, you know, very good in uh, the NFL, but just missing that sort of killer instinct. Um, and I think, like, like I said, I just, I just, it's time for us to look at Sean Payton and say, I mean, and again, I'm sure Saints Sean fans- Payton was the New York Giants offense coordinator, and I didn't love him, and I've never bought in on Sean Payton solely on that. I never thought he adjusted. To his personnel in New York, they had Kerry Collins at quarterback, who I hated. But it, he's still—he was essentially trying to run his Drew Brees offense with Kerry Collins, and I'm like, cool story. That's not Kerry Collins, yeah. And I just feel like he's never really adjusted. The last couple of years, when their running game was that much better, you know, last year they were—I think they were a significantly better team than they proved that they were this year, and. He just didn't really have an offensive strategy yesterday to attack the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have a good defense, but the Vikings don't have a world cl- like. This isn't a defense you're. It's going to go down in history books. No, I agree. I mean, I, I've said this about the Vikings defense. They get gashed by the number one wide receivers, and Michael Thomas didn't. Have where a great, was he? Didn't have a great game. And there's been games this year where Michael Thomas has 20 catches. Yeah, 15 catches, seven for 70. So a good game, but not like the. Guy who broke records this year, game right. You would think, like you said, that that's you know sort of a Vikings kryptonite. You'd think they would have gotten him four touches on the opening drive. I mean, they showed like Xavier Rhodes like on the sideline, being like, I'm, "This is, I'm NFL football is not fun for me." Right yeah, now. yeah. Um, so Taysom it, Hill, the best quarterback for the Saints yesterday. Taysom Hill, like we talk about these quarterbacks in the carousel. We putting Taysom Hill on the carousel? <laughs> I said, I tweeted, I'm getting my unborn son a Taysom Hill jersey. <laughs> I want Taysom Hill to do for... Taysom Prano. Yeah, I want Taysom to do for the NFL what Steph Curry did for youth basketball. Like, every kid is now just out, like, putting everything into heaving a 35-footer. I want every youth football player being like, I play running back and quarterback and tight end and safety. <laughs> like, that's what I want Taysom Hill's legacy to be. Well, he, went, he ran four four rushes for fifty yards, caught a touch, threw a bomb. Yep, that's a heck of a game. So, I mean, is there a quarterback controversy brewing in New Orleans with Breeze, Bridgewater, and Taysom Hill? Where will where will Teddy B go next year? What's his deal? Well, you know, there's all the talk that Arians loves Teddy B. Oh man, all I want is Jameis not to be the quarterback of the Bucks, but I do want him to stay in the league. Oh, he's definitely staying in the league. I yeah. Mean, 
I want him to stay in the league as a starter. I want I want the Raiders to pick him up, or I want the Bears to pick him up, or I want whatever. Like, just give me somebody else trying the Jameis experiment. But also, I want Bruce Arians, who's supposed to be brought in to fix Jameis, to be like, can't do it, can't win with him. What about a Brady to the Bears idea? Defense is good. I mean, it's, it's, they have, have the almost the most similar Patriots makeup. Yeah. You know, it'd be the best quarterback to come into Chicago and maybe ever. To me, if I'm Brady, why the Bears and not the Chargers? Well, I'd probably prefer the Chargers as well. Because you go you come home to California, you've got a place in Brentwood, they're gonna throw you a boatload of money just to sell tickets because they can they're I mean, they're they're to the point where they're selling Andy Ruther season tickets. That's their target market now. Podcasters who might be able to <laughs> flip them. Exactly. Um, you bring it like and Really, is the head coaching situation that much better? Well, no, I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, two quick things. It's easier to win in the NFC, I guess. Maybe not. Yeah. Two quick things on this Viking Saints game before we move on to the last one. This, I think, could be pretty fast. Do the OT rules need to change? Should both teams have a chance to get the ball? I say no. I I'm fine I, with it. I'm agree with you. Is. I say no as well because I think if we looked at it through the history of time, I, maybe some a stat out there. If you're listening, you know, dirt balls, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Like, I feel like the second team almost has more of an advantage. Yeah, in these these situations. So, thank God, you know, the the the, the Vikings are able to score a touchdown then controversially in your in your mind, but. Um, they did the job. Like you see that, you know, if you score a touchdown every time, you deserve to win the game, in my opinion. So let's talk about this this final play, the Rudolph catch. Uh, my feeling on this play and the non the non reviewed pass interference stems from the NFL making it reviewable. If this play is not reviewable, then fine. You we, the Vikings win. This isn't a question. No big deal. But now the fact that it is reviewable, they clearly didn't review it, whatever they say. I know all scoring plays are reviewed, but it was three seconds. You can't make a change based on this, a play against the Saints not getting a pass interference called against them last year in a playoff game on essentially the last play of the game and then come into a playoff game and have a pass interference and not review it. And then also just the nonsense that we had the whole year where we're now reviewing it, but the referees have made it clear. You can review it all you want. We're never changing our call. I just think this is a disgusting black eye on the league right now. Abandon this pass interference review immediately. I'm talking before next week's games. You can, we can't review pass interference anymore because I'm fine if you don't review it. I honestly used to love back in the day watching college football where they didn't review fumbles and they didn't review catches. And then it was like, it was a fumble. Well, his knee was down. Fuck it. We missed it. That's life. Now we, once you open Pandora's box, you, you there's no going back. The only way to go back is to go back as fast as possible. Fix this now. It's like the NBA three-point line. It was a bad idea. Move it back. Well, to me, it's like actually showing Pandora's box and not really even opening it. Like it's this, like you said, the problem started a year ago, and it's really a systemic problem because we all knew they they, they haven't been reversing any offensive pass interference almost the whole year. Yeah, we did see one in the next game. 
by the way, not 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 overruled, but we saw. Um, I think the tight end for the Seahawks had called for pass interference for doing the same thing. Yeah. that Kyle I mean, Rudolph did. Also, when I look at that play, and I used to play receiver, you cannot like the idea that like oh this happens on like when you're in a hand fight with a six six tight end on a jump ball, and the last thing that he gets to do is stiff arm you away from you have no chance you have like there was no chance of him stopping Rudolph was the only person catching that ball and once he was able to extend his arms it was a sure thing people go oh well they were hand fighting the whole time look to me and you're a basketball guy this is the difference between while they're running and you're hand fighting this is two guys banging into each other for a rebound when the shot's going up it gets dirty down there. Elbows, arm swinging. That's all part of the game. When the ball comes off the rim and somebody goes into the air and you extend your hand, that's a foul. It like it totally changes that. There, he had no chance of defending him. He was able to fully, the separation, they were mashed together. And then he had 6'6", six, six arm's length separation on a 5'10", defensive back, on a jump ball. He had no shot of defending it. Is Dennis Allen the defensive coordinator for the Saints? Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, a couple of things. I didn't like the sequence that the Vikings put into uh, the first and goal from the two, whatever. They they, they kind of had some uh, un, like conventional runs. Yeah. And then they do what's, what I think is bad coaching. They do that sort of Hail Mary to the yeah. corner pass. Yeah. Like They got lucky. It's not the play calling I would like to see, but also the Saints... I think Torigman actually even highlighted Kyle Rudolph yeah. up in the corner because they saw the matchup. Like, the, what is the Saints shouldn't have put that guy in that position anyway. Like, a- call timeout or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you're going to throw a jump ball to a 6'6 six, six guy on a 5'10 yeah. guy. Everyone knows you're going 6'6 six, six versus 5'10. Yeah. Both teams know it. But you already have an advantage. Yeah. It's already really difficult to be a defensive back. You're already on an island. You're already on an island against a bigger guy. This is, essentially is a NBA tip-off, one guy's 6'6", one guy's 5'10", whoever gets this tip yeah. wins an NFL playoff game, and now you're saying while the ball, before the ball goes up, before the ref tosses the ball in the air, one guy can shove the other guy away. To me, it's a ludicrous and horrific missed call, and honestly, if you're going to miss it, that's fine. But if you have a review in place, then you have to review it, and you have to overturn it. Yeah, my feeling is not quite as heated as yours, but I, I agree. I think it I think it is offensive pass interference according to the rules, but I, we also know because of the system put in place and the, the methodology behind it, they're not going to overturn it. So Then, then, then just don't have it reviewable. Yeah, exactly. Don't have it reviewable at all. And it's still offensive pass interference, and if I was a Saints fan, I'd still be pissed off. I tweeted yesterday, I don't care – about this game at all. Like, I really don't. I, I have no rooting interest in this game. Every, you know, I, I've argued Drew Brees is not, you know, greatness and been hammered for it on the internet and said, well, look at him in the playoffs. I've shit on Kirk Cousins. I've got neither of these teams going far in my bracket. I've picked neither of them to do well in the preseason. I don't care. I'm watching a good football game, but I'm also like, you have no, like, if I'm Kyle Rudolph, that's what I'm doing, and I'm hoping they don't call it. And I know I cheated. Okay, we, we, we played the hypothetical before. Let's say that gets called. Vikings kick a field goal, probably. 
Because the, the, the Vikings get one more shot, right? Third, they moved back. Moved back 10 yards yep. or whatever. So it's third and goal from the 14. Unlikely to score, but maybe. Let's say they don't. Let's say they kick a field goal. The, 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 the same. You and I both probably project the same result. They still win. Probably. Yeah, exactly. That, but that's my problem with it entirely is I think the right team won. They gave up. You know, the, the Vikings uh, cashed in on a huge throw. Thielen gets down to the two. You're the, like, you won the game. When they did that, you won the game. So don't have it end this way because yeah. you, it ends this way and it ends in a way. The only reason it ends with the controversy is because you guys changed the rule because of the way the same team ended the game last year. Don't fucking change the rule then and then put yourself in a position go with like, why didn't you even review it? The last thing I want to say about this game is, and you, you alluded to this earlier, and I think the Saints bear a lot of the brunt of this because it's, it's the idea that the Patriots have won six Super Bowls and it's impossible to do because it is so hard to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Saints, the last few years, have been in the mix. And they have, they've had some bad luck, obviously. This is not less bad luck and just sort of bad systems in place. But, like, one game and it's over. It's just, yeah. you play all these games and it's over. And, 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 and Sean Payton, I don't know if he gets a bonus for keeping timeouts. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what that was. He, does, he doesn't call a timeout before the two-minute two warning. I agree with you on this. And I see this happening. All that, We talk about this ad nauseum with coaches. Like, they, 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 did, they kind of dragged their feet. They should have just won the game. Yeah. Right? They had an opportunity to win the game. He saves that timeout and then doesn't use it. He saves that timeout pre-two-minute two warning, but pre-them punting, and then doesn't use it at all in the game. And, and then the, the end of the game offensively for them be, becomes sort of you know, a scramble, and they don't know, can they throw it? Can they kick it? It's like, you guys, why, why are you going? You, are you, what are you going to do with this timeout that you're saving? It, yeah, that, to me, Sean Payton... Gets the brunt of the blame on that game. I th- I think there was many holes in his strategy and it's overall just just the way he coached them. Very hard to win a Super Bowl. You see that with the. I mean, it's going to be you know you get a Super Bowl. It elevates you to legendary status, obviously. But I think it's a lot of what could have been with the Saints. Yeah. Uh, we go on to the final game. Uh, we talked about a missed penalty to end the Vikings. Saints game. Let's talk about a missed penalty to open the Seahawks Eagles game. Wentz screen pass gets blown up, decides to run, gets clearly late hit, clearly cheap shot, clearly in my opinion, definitely a helmet to helmet. Philadelphia Eagles fans are losing their minds that this penalty was not called. But here's my question. They call a 15-yard penalty there. They they decide Clowney hit him late. Clowney hit him head to head. Fifteen yards. You're moving up. Wentz is still concussed. Wentz is still out of the game. Does that change the game at all? I don't think a fifteen yard penalty there with Josh McCown coming in has any effect whatsoever on the game. Do they should they add the uh, college targeting rule where if they they deem Clowney guilty of t- whatever that legal play is he ejected? It's an eye for an eye sort of situation. You come back in when, when the player that you injured. So I was thinking this yesterday, and I have two answers to this. First of all, the college targeting rule, they just overuse it, and then guys get thrown out 
when they shouldn't. I agree. But two, if you're playing a game of chess, you would never trade a knight for a queen. For your queen, right? So if you're if you're in a chess match and you're P. Carroll and they come to you before the game and they go, they'll give up Wentz if you give up Clowney. You go, Yes, we'll do that. Can can we take can we already take this? Can we like I'll do that right now? You would a hundred percent remove Jadavian Clowney from your roster to not have to play Wentz there, right? Yeah. So even if that happened, sure, the game then is going to be significantly different if they don't have Clowney from that point going forward. But I, but the fact that Wentz goes out in that situation, I don't really think a penalty matters. And also, I really don't think if you lose Clowney in that situation, it changes the outcome of the game. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know what? I, I watch this game closely because I believe the Seahawks to be paper tigers. Um, the the Eagles had every chance, to, even with McCown, to to potentially win this game. Mm-hmm. Seahawks did not look very good. The difference was the Russell Wilson's ability or the Eagles' inability to stop third and long conversions. Craziness! They couldn't get him off the field. Yeah. And multiple times we watched Russell Wilson, you know, run for 18 yards or, or David Moore or whatever, you know, catch a small pass and get one third and 15, third and 17. Like we saw that probably four or five times. Couldn't get off the field. Other than that, they played pretty well. They one big play to DK Metcalf. I mean, he goes for 160 yards, most, yeah. most by a rookie. But there's a lot of field goals. You know, I was, I was going to tweet it out, but like I was waiting for the, the, the proverbial obligatory hanging around from the sports uh, the broadcasters. Right. Because that's what was happening. And McCown, I watched this closely as a guy who invested on the Eagles yesterday. Despite Carson Wentz going out, the, li- the, the live line was only three and a half. Like They, they basically said McCown is not going to blow this game right. for the Eagles. And that the Seahawks are not going to take this game despite McCown being in there. Right. So... The Eagles actually covered the second half line, which was eight and you know whatever eight and a half. They won by they lost by eight, and McCown had chances. He played you know Scott Barrett, who's a great follower on Twitter, talked about he was the most explosive athlete in the 2002 NFL draft. Came in third overall, uh, behind like Brian Westbrook. He did like he jumped 38 inch vertical. Yeah, there's there's a freak athlete. There's video of him like three years ago at 38, like reverse dunking. Reverse I saw dunking. that. He's like roasting guys on a basketball court. They, they even used him as a the the like they had him in almost like an option where he, t- oh, yeah. he tucked it oh, and yeah. ran it for he, a first the, down. Yeah, they ran a read option with him, <laughs> which to me was sort of uh, Peterson in a nutshell. Is you you've put your quarterback at risk so many times, burned on it a thousand times now. Then you've got your 40-year-old backup in. I don't know who your third stringer is. It was Greg, a, Greg Ward Jr., wide receiver. Yeah. Why are you running the read option with McCown at this point? What if Jadavian Clowney goes, fuck it. I'm taking yeah, exactly. out McCown. I mean, it's a crazy game. I mean, obviously, tons of injuries on the Eagles this year. Just could not get healthy. I mean, their whole offense. Deshaun was like had a real chance to spark that team. Deshaun Jackson gets hurt early in the season, never recovers. Alshon Jeffrey doesn't play very much. Er, er, you know, Ertz has a cracked rib. Jo- uh, uh, Jordan Howard is uh, you know out for most of the year. 
obviously a bunch of guys. So it's like unfortunate, but like they, they, there was still opportunities for them to win this game. And I, you know, I know there's a lot of debate on this team about the, the side about Russell Wilson, but I think Russell Wilson actually wins games in spite of bad coaching on the Seahawks. Like they, they, they just need to let, like, Marshawn is was scored a touchdown. He was he just doesn't look. He looks old. Yeah, you know, they're they're they're. He's just bailing him out, and I think there's they won a bunch, a ton of games by one score. They do another one this week, like. But also, like I said before, Russell Wilson. Everybody talks about Russell Wilson. Oh, he's so good on the deep ball. Look how great he is on the deep. Like they set it up, and they set it up, and they set it up, and it paid off multiple times. I think Metcalf of um not mistaken was seven for 160 so the dude's catching only deep balls and they're doing that in setting up i mean that final play even that that iced the game for them they've got him in an inside slot position they're it's just obvious that they're going to run the game out They've been setting you up, setting you up all day, and then he just chucks it downfield to the freak athlete wide receiver who goes up and high points it. Ball game over. Uh, DK Metcalf, that was his coming out party. He's legit, and that will help Russell for certainly his his next five years or however long he's in the league. But at the same time, I know everybody is a Russ slurper, and to me. Next week's game is the game I want Russell Wilson to come out and do Russell Wilson things. Everybody tells me he's Aaron Rodgers. Everybody tells me, look at what he's able to do despite poor coaching and all that. Well, now you've got your opportunity. you got a road game. You're in the cold. They're coming off a bye. They've got a good pass rush. They can run the ball. You're playing against another great quarterback. I want to see it because if you look at Russell Wilson's history, he had success when he had the literally number one defense football, number one defense in his career. He has five top three defenses, I think already. And now he's at the 21st ranked defense. So let's see what you can do now that you don't have that stacked team. I want to see Russell Wilson. Everybody tells me is a, a top five quarterback in the league and a top 10 quarterback of all time. I want to see him go into green Bay. I want to see him win that game. Look, I have no idea what's going to happen in the Paper Tiger Bowl. Um, you know, th- at some point, the luck is going to run out. Like, like you, they, they put themselves in third and long. You, you just don't win games, ultimately. Right. Like, you, you have to bet again. You have to short that. Like, these guys, I bet you're not going to convert third and 15, you know, for three three more games or whatever it is. So, the, 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 my feeling, though, is Aaron Rodgers had a good year team-wise. But I think Aaron Rodgers has regressed a little bit this this year as well. We see I've seen him, you know, according to the metrics, he's just getting older, right? Um, and Aaron Rodgers for years has been able to live off just being one of the most talented guys in the league. Now, when the fa- the fastball kind of slows down a little bit, I see both these guys as a little bit as I was going to ask you about this. Like the old the old uh, home run hitters that were like was like Dave Kingman, yeah, they hit bombs or they strike out. I don't know who that is now, but I see that a little bit with both these guys right now. John Carlos Stanton. That's the exact comp I was going to use. John Carlos Stanton. Where you look at the Lions game with Rodgers, looked very bad. But then he makes one unbelievable throw, and you're like, oh, he still has the magic. And I think that's a problem with with Rodgers and Wilson sometimes. They just believe they got that one throw in them every time. And eventually the luck's going to run out. Now, having said that, 
as a guy that you that I, just to you know tip the cap to you who said the Packers have a, you know could go to the Super Bowl this year. Look, I'm. I look. I listen, I like numbers. So as much as I don't believe in the Packers, I do like the fact that they only have to play two games to get to the Super Bowl, right. and one of them is at home. Yeah. So you'd be stupid not to say they actually had worse odds coming into this, or should I say longer odds than the Saints to win the Super Bowl, yeah. even though they had one more home game. So. And honestly, it doesn't make sense to know. And honestly, now if you're looking at that Vikings Niners game and you go, uh, you know, I'm gonna ride this cricket, they could be playing two home games. Correct to go to the Super Bowl. And I feel like, you know, as a person who has this future on the, the Vikings, like the Packers should like their chances. They got they got obliterated by the Niners. They should be like excited to to avenge that loss. And then they play a team that they kind of mentally own. So if they get past this. This weekend, as much as I don't believe in the Packers, they're still set up to make a real run. And so, and and you know my Packers preseason Packers pick was my preseason Warriors pick before their championship first championship, which is I'm just doing addition by subtraction. Just get Mark Jackson out of there, put in Coach X, unknown face, to coach the Warriors. They are a championship team. I was right. I, do I think that the Packers have enough to win the Super Bowl this year? Do I think LaFleur is good enough? No, not right now. But could they get... I was basing that on how Aaron Rodgers had played and the fact that Mike McCarthy was no longer his coach. And I still like that decision. And they've proven that they were... I mean, they're, they have a bye. When's the last time the Packers were won 13 games? Now, now it's going to be, what does a rookie head coach do with an off week knowing now having a week to prepare for Seattle. But to me, again, this comes down to what does Rodgers have left and a rookie head coach? And I need I think it's going to be a close game, but for all the Russell Wilson stands out there who hammer me day in and day out, this is your game. Russell Wilson on the road, finally doesn't have a dominating defense, paper tiger bowl, Let's go. Get to the NFC Championship game. I'm not saying get to the Super Bowl, but get to the NFC Championship game here. I mean, w- weird situation this year. What, 4-4 four and four, uh, this year on, at home? 7-1 or 8-1 now on the road? So they get what they want. They're on the road. I mean, I'm very intrigued by this game because I don't, really do not know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, I feel like this to the Packers team is actually closer to the, the, the Patriots teams of the past because, like, I, like my belief, according to the metrics, Aaron Rodgers has regressed closer to the mean but the defense is way better. Yeah. Their defense is good this year. Yeah. Which is what Brady's relied on for many of his Super Bowls. And they're running the ball. The running game. And that's a fair. Way better. We'll talk about McCarthy in a little bit with the Cowboys, but like both, both these guys, you, you have to free Aaron Jones. Like both McCarthy and um, LaFleur a little bit. Like kind of at the beginning of the year, we're kind of into this like, are we into Jamal Williams too? Who, who's the lead dog? Even though we all felt like Aaron Jones was the guy. Yeah. We finally seen over the course of the year that he is the guy. So, but, but McCarthy had that problem too. We couldn't. Like it was Lacey, but it was also Starks. We couldn't decide on like who was getting what role. I'm very intrigued to see what McCarthy does with Zeke because he's a very you know Zeke is a bell cow. I like Pollard a lot, but like, are they going to do more two running back sets? Interesting. Well, we'll get into McCarthy next, but before we leave this Seahawks Eagles game, Dan Arlovsky is on Twitter this morning, posting videos, replying to everybody's tweets, hammering people 
calling people despicable, oh, calling despicable. people that that are questioning or commenting that Carson Wentz is injury prone. And he's saying that this is a freak accident. He's diving for an extra yard after a, a screen pass that has been blown up. You should be ashamed of yourself if you're saying this about Carson Wentz. You should be ashamed of mentioning his injury history. This is this could happen to anyone. To which I ask you, Tug, if this could happen to anyone, why doesn't it happen to everyone? <laughs> why doesn't it happen to Russell Wilson? Why doesn't it happen to either of the Manning brothers? Why doesn't it happen to Tom Brady? Why doesn't it happen to Philip Rivers? Why doesn't it happen to, like, there are smart quarterbacks in the league. And I say smart quarterbacks because I, I, I always use this example, and I know, you know, bringing up Eli, everybody wants to, but to pair him and his brother together. They were not born with thicker bones, but they played 400 consecutive football games at quarterback in the NFL combined because they don't take these hits. Everybody wants to criticize Eli Manning and a late Peyton Manning and even Tom Brady now for, oh, guys touch them and they just lay down. Yeah, because they're fucking 38, 39, 40 years old and they're living to fight another day. I have seen a hundred... I, I feel like Eli Manning, by the way, invented this move. Blown up screen pass, give up the play immediately, throw it at somebody's feet. I'm like, is this the? Is there really no other way that this play can succeed? Once they have sniffed out the screen pass, the only option is no one is near you, throw the ball at somebody's feet and give up. And maybe he's right because everybody does it now. And then Carson Wentz tries to dive headfirst, the same dive headfirst, that he injured his knee against the Rams on, dives head first, takes a hit, out for the game, Eagles lose. Like, you can't, like, yes, if you get T-boned crossing an intersection, it's a freak accident. But if you never wear your seatbelt, you're more likely to die. I've seen this debate. I, I didn't see it with Orlowski, which I'm exci- excited that he to, to dig into that. But um, I saw that uh, Andrew, uh, Andrew Hawkins, a friend of the show, was getting into it with um, the the long kid, Chris Long. They're actually having a little discussion over, like, you know, be better. <laughs> There's a little be better talk about it. I, Who's, you know, who is being better? Long, I, I assume, is a Wentz defender? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but... I think concussions are a little bit independent of injury prone, but when when Wentz who, who is shown to have in, be injury prone, you sh- to your point, don't put yourself in the position to get hurt. I agree with that. I think it's just a numbers game. Of all the hills that you are willing to die on, which are many, um, your Eli doesn't get hurt uh, hill is probably like to me is like ironclad. Like it's just, it's amazing to watch. And also, but there's different people. Right, Brett Favre played the game the different way. Yeah. He also is durable. Like right. it's just he also had a painkiller addiction. That's true. Like, yeah. That's fair enough. Well, Cortisone shots about his that? eyeballs, and <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Wentz just 
it's part of him having to learn like a little bit of that Mustang syndrome. You're the young cult. It's like I'm unbridled. But if you want to play a long time in this league, you better start understanding that doesn't work for you. And, it's the same with your coach. Yeah. And and to me, the the situation at quarterback is always does your quarterback need to play this way to be successful? I believe, and I, and I've said this about Cam Newton. Cam Newton needs to play that way to be successful. If you take away Cam Newton is your third and one tailback, and you say we're not doing that anymore, then you're just saying we're going to have a quarterback that completes fifty six percent of his passes, and randomly will miss guys by twenty yards, and doesn't have a ton of touch, and does, like when you take away that part of his offense. He's not a great quarterback. When he's healthy, and that is a part of his repertoire, he's doing something that no one else had done. Josh Allen, I feel like, needs to play that way to be successful. Russell Wilson can play that style of football, but he doesn't do it anymore. And the and Pete Carroll refuses to call run plays for him because he knows he can win without doing that. And why would he ever put in a Russell Wilson in a position to be hurt? Well, the other thing about Russ Wilson is you see him, um, his baseball prowess, because he always slides well, yep. always gets down. And also, you see him running into space way more than Carson Wentz does. He, he runs when he sees the advantage. It's not like I understand the idea of trying to tough it out and trying to, must, you know, try to like run through some people, but I'd rarely see Russell Wilson ever try to run it through someone. Right. He just runs into space. Takes a, takes a knee, slides, and get, hands the ball to the ref next play. There's no proof yet that Lamar Jackson can be a winning quarterback without taking eight hits a game, running the ball. There's no proof Daniel Jones can win games if he doesn't run the ball. There's no proof Ryan Fitzpatrick can win games if he doesn't go downfield and have a wild. But there is, I think, proof that you don't need to play this style of football if you're a Carson Wentz. And the fact that he does, honestly, it reminds me of Tony Romo. Tony Romo is a great quarterback and a great passer and didn't need to turn the back to the offense escape. Sometimes you can just lay down and live to fight another day. You know, we keep coming back to Eli because the idea of laying, like he's the king of literally laying down. My favorite thing that Eli does was the basically the the throw, the no look throwaway, get down on the ground. Yeah, it's the best. But but also, you cut to Eli Manning on a fourth down play in the Super the helmet catch play. He was grabbed. He's in the backfield. If he doesn't escape that hand on his shoulder pad, he's going to get blown up. But he doesn't lay down there. Because the game's on the line. Mm-hmm. There is no live to fight another day. This is the only day. This is the only play. I'm going to stay on my feet at all costs, and I'm going to turn, I'm going to fucking huck it downfield. You have to have awareness. And to me, I know everybody wants to say this freak accident, Carson Wentz, cheap shot. I, I hate to say it, but like getting cheap shotted by a lunatic defensive lineman isn't a freak play. They're going to take that shot every chance they can get it on a starting quarterback in a playoff game. Every team has a Vontez Perfect, a Jadavian Clowney. Every team has a guy who's like, I don't give a fuck. If you're out for the game and I'm out for the game, we win. I, I, I have to agree with you. Like, I don't like being, like, I wish that all players weren't injury prone. I don't, I don't think anyone's saying, like, we wish players that were injury prone. 
But at a certain point, Carson Wentz has to realize, look, I, I missed out on a Super Bowl run because I got hurt. You know, I got hurt last year. I got, like, I just don't want to put myself, it's like it's basically like my mom used to say, like, when you go, like, hanging out with bad people, bad things are going to happen. Right. Nothing good happens after <laughs> 3 a.m.? Yeah. Nothing so, good happens after a screenplay has been blown up. It, when, Throw when, it I, I want to play feet. 15 years in the league, and I get hurt every year. I have to change that part of the game so I make it through a full season. And it's like, as much as I still think I can run, you, you, you got to start manually changing that instinct. Or else, you know, you can't. You can blame it on the coach, but like you said, a play breaks down. My gut is to run and you know run through somebody. It just doesn't work for you, so you have to change that. But you know, I'm still a Carson Wentz guy. But I'm a Carson Wentz. I hate the Eagles, but I really appreciate Carson Wentz's talent. Same. But when I look at Carson Wentz, I go, "You don't have to do this. You can win games. Just you don't ever. You can go to the full." Unless the game is on the line and I am touched, I am going to lay down, and you can still win games. Like to me, I haven't seen the Carson Wentz play where, like, oh my God, he takes this big hit and it was so worth it in the end. I mean, it. The same thing goes for Ben Roethlisberger. That's the Ben Roethlisberger style, and it's like, dude, you're a great passer. You don't. I understand it adds an, a layer to your game, but like overall, how much do those? pay off versus the games where you have to watch. When Carson Wentz plays in Philly, as he just fully indoctrinated the the Rocky motif, where like, we're, you know, the scenes were like, Rocky, like, don't get up, dude. Yeah. Don't do it. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take I, more blows to the face. I, I feel like they're like, there, there ain't going to be no rematch. And he's like, well, I can't actually participate in one because I'm in the concussion <laughs> protocol. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the blue tent. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, McCarthy, the Cowboys. You're a Cowboys fan. What's your take on Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys? I'll tell you my take. I'm excited he's off the market. I'm excited he's not coming to New Jersey. Um, I don't hate Mike McCarthy, but I don't. But I think I've called Mike McCarthy a boob. I think he did waste the Aaron Rodgers years. Um, it, a great PR campaign by him. This This video story about him having a coaching barn where he's still watching videos and Jim Hazlitt lives with him or something. Who knows what the fuck's going on there? What's your take on uh, McCarthy the Cowboys post Jerry Jones sleepover? Love the sleepover. Love that idea. I love that uh, McCarthy brought his own star pajamas. I, like, as you know, I tweeted out last year, January 31st, I tweeted out when when they announced that Jason Garrett was not going to have an extension of his contract. I tweeted out that day that Mike McCarthy would be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm taking a victory lap for that. Tug Stradamus. Tug Stradamus and Pray No Stradamus. Don't, why do you all go anywhere else to get your news and your picks? We got them right here on Dirty Sports. The reason I thought McCarthy was a great fit is because it just felt like... We need a W chain for these situations. We do need a W chain. And I, but I felt like this is this, the perfect fit where the cow, he's won a Super... He's like still taking... You know, he's going to get jobs off the Super Bowl win... It felt like a guy that's like, it's a move in offensive direction, but it's not so crazy um, like the Lincoln Riley, you know, Urban Meyer just doesn't make too much, it doesn't make, it just doesn't make any sense because they just didn't, Urban Meyer is like sort of like, I don't think he's, he might go to USC eventually, but you can't really touch him. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley like just gets blown up in every big game right now. And I was going to, I had on the rundown before they hired McCarthy. 
who do you hope is the Cowboys coach? Well, one guy I really like, what I think deserves an opportunity, is Greg Roman, who's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. Like he's shown an ability to get the most out of uh, you know mobile quarterbacks, whether it's Kaepernick or Vic or uh, Lamar. And I don't think Dak should be put in that level, but they've he's Dak has shown me a, a he's, he has some athletic prowess. He can move around. He was very yeah. uh, very mobile in college. So I think, you know, he deserved it. He deserved an opportunity. Um, I am glad it's not Marvin Lewis. Um, so yeah. it's, it's kind of in a weird world. It's like, do you want Mike McCarthy or Marvin Lewis? Yeah. Um, I think you got to go Mike McCarthy. Like, the, someone showed some comparison numbers. Like, Rodgers' year isn't so much better this year with LaFleur than it was with McCarthy. No. I'm thinking, like, what McCarthy like I listen, I was very critical of McCarthy with the Packers. So I'm not loving this pick, but I am drinking the Kool-Aid of the like anytime you want to use buzzwords like analytics, where Garrett, who went to Princeton as a smart guy, is not fully endorsing like in-game analytics, probability, like play calling, that's a that's a problem. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear that he at least is open to it and has been working with it. And maybe the year away he says, Hey, you know what? Me you know, putting the same route every time of Cobb, Nelson, and Devontae Adams. Is going to get caught caught on to, so I am interested to see. I'm excited that it's an offensive quarter uh, coach. I'm hearing Greg Nolan is his defensive coordinator. So Kellen Moore stays. I feel like I'm interested to see with that. I mean, I bet you that was probably discussed at the slumber party. Kellen Moore is in the Cowboys family. Yeah. Um, I think because that was the boner everybody had for the first three games of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Kellen Moore. When you play the when you open up with the Giants, Redskins, Dolphins, everyone's excited. Yeah. Um, so I am cautiously optimistic. I'm allowing myself to um, look. You usually don't. An old dog doesn't usually learn new tricks. But I'm willing to to go go uh, along with it with, with the idea that like he's watched a million games over the past year. I'm I'm buying the NFL segment where they show the the coaches at this house. Yeah. Uh, the we'll reason see. I the reason I'm excited he's not is it, he's, not, he's not going to the Giants. He's not going to the Giants <laughs> is uh it smelled so much like Ben McAdoo to me. All the things that they were selling McAdoo on. Obviously, Mike McCarthy was the head coach of those teams, but all the things that they were selling McAdoo on when he came to the Giants was like, oh, he developed. Aaron Rodgers, like, can we stop talking about people developing Aaron Rodgers? Oh, he's, you know, look at look at what Green Bay did. It's like, take Aaron Rodgers out of the situation, look at Green Bay, look at what Green Bay was able to accomplish with Aaron Rodgers. And then also, I just smelled the same prediction I made with Ben McAdoo, which was Tom Coughlin goes 9-7 and seven every year, but if they make the playoffs, watch out. Ben McAdoo's going to be the guy who comes in and goes 11-5, and five, and then they Get, they lose in the playoffs, which is literally exactly what happened when Ben McAdoo came in. Obviously, it went to shit after that, and he made um, uh, he embarrassed himself. But that's sort of my fear with Mike McCarthy. And Mike McCarthy comes in, and the Giants win eleven games, but we're still not Super Bowl contenders. And when you have four Super Bowl rings in my lifetime, that's got to be the goal. We're not the Browns. We're not the Lions. We're not. We're not. Hey, if we make an NFC Championship game. We've accomplished something. Well, one thing that you see a lot, and especially in baseball, and I know you're a baseball guy, is like, um, and it happens in basketball too. Um, someone plays really well against you, and you want them. Yeah, you see it with um, Madison Baumgartner going to the Diamondbacks or yeah. whatever. Happens a lot. 
the Cowboys, uh, they lost the Packers with the Dez catch, non-catch. They lost with the Jared Cook uh, play in Dallas with the long bomb from uh, Crosby. I'm sure part of that was like, you know, let's just get the guy that kind of figures out way out to beat us. Yeah. Um, it just looks good in the, in the Cowboys' eyes. And, um, you know, similar to the Cowboys and the Packers, like the, the defensive part, the defensive side of the ball let Rodgers down a few years. Um, I think the offense is still good to go with the Cowboys. I think the offense was very good this year. Offense was not the problem. Um, can we bolster that defense so that we don't have to put so much onus on Dak to, you know, win you games? So I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, but we'll learn very, very quickly if, we, if we're going to regret this decision. And you know what? If he makes mistakes, he'll only be there for 10 years. It's right. a cowboy, cowboy way. Uh, we got to wrap up here. We got about 20 minutes before somebody comes to like destroy Andy's apartment or something like that because he's got holes in his bathroom. Today's Dirty Sports Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's 2020, and you know what that means. New year, new me, new balls. Man, listen up. Harry Bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. I know that I'm not the only person out there who has scraped their balls while manscaping. Don't manscrape. Manscaped. Manscaped has designed the electric trimmer. They've redesigned it. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. We're leaving them in 2019. Manscaped also has the crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You put deodorant on your armpits. You put deodorant on all kinds of parts of your body. You should definitely put them on the sweatiest part of your body, your balls. If you're not putting deodorant on your balls, honestly, why are you putting it anywhere? Get 20% off on your Manscaped order, plus free shipping with promo code DIRTY. That's D-I-R-T-Y. Just go to manscaped.com and use our promo code for 20% off. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. A uh, couple quick Stories, NBA, Vince Carter, first player to play in four different decades, played in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and now the and now the roaring 20s. Your best Vince Carter moment besides him jumping over the French guy in the in the international game. It's obviously the NBA slam dunk. It's over, you know, where he puts his hand in the the hoop and does the to the camera, it's over. And that's the crazy thing about Vince Carter's career. He and I are intertwined in a weird way, where which is um, when I transferred to uh, from William Mary to UVA, you know, I was never going to be a good player, or you know, maybe even get off the bench before they, you know, said thank, they changed coaches and said thank you, no thank you. But I'm pretty sure they were saying like, can this guy even remotely guard if we needed him, Vince Carter? So I blame Vince Carter for ending my <laughs> my college basketball career. And you know what we didn't Could realize. Could you remotely guard Vince? Carter? No, of course not. But what we what we didn't realize is that he's a freak of nature. Like people can't guard him now. Yeah, and he's forty in the NBA. I mean, the thing about Vince Carter's career is obviously the longevity. But I have to say, the second thing, and I think you'll agree with me, maybe not, is his inability to impact the NBA. Right. Really, when a I think, playoff. I think somebody said the last time he was in a and in an, played in an All Star game. 
I forget who, like Giannis wasn't born or something like that. That's crazy. Never really made an impact uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, that, I was going to say the only standout playoff is you know his Toronto Raptors team upset right. my Knicks team, and uh, was he with McGrady at that point? Yeah. So I mean, like that that team should have probably won some championships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Vince Carter and McGrady together. So yeah, the last fifteen years or so, not really been relevant. Which is interesting because so many of these guys chase rings. Yeah. But Vince Carter has not been that guy. He's chase. He's just chasing empty buckets. <laughs> he really is. So uh, what's spe- yours? Speaking of guys, I'm I'm going with the same thing. Yeah. yeah the the, yeah. the the dunk contest, and I was going to say, it, you know, that's sort of again the signature of of Vince Carter's career. We only remember him for the dunk contest, and then also that he's stuck around. Speaking of guys who sort of made their name in the dunk contest, sources, the Atlantic reporting Dwight Howard to return to the dunk contest. Buy or sell? I'm definitely selling that because, I mean, I, haven't, I, didn't, I've stopped, I think I've stopped watching the dunk contest. The dunk contest is just a shell of itself. What's your favorite dunk contest moment? I mean, are you, do you go back to like, you're not old enough. You're my age, so you're not remembering Jordan Wilkins. No, only on, only on like... The highlights, yeah. you know, the lore. I don't. I had the poster. I have the yeah. poster of Jordan doing the, the 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 foul line. Are you like? Is your first memory is like Larry D, Nance? D actually, Brown. The year before was my favorite when he <laughs> just basically just dunk it. Yeah. D Brown obviously was a big one. Sabalos, Cedric Sabalos, Blake Griffin over the car. My, um, I always there say, a, my, there was a birthday cake one. Yeah. So one blew, maybe Gerald Green blew out a birthday cake. My favorite. I always say my favorite dunk contest memory is something I literally don't have the mem- uh, any memory of. I was a junior in high school. It was like our winter formal or something like that. I got blackout drunk. Apparently did watch the dunk contest, but I have no recollection of it. And then got up the next morning and somebody told me Brent Barry won when he jumped from the free throw line. Kept the windbreaker on. And I said, like, guys, I'm hungover shit and I vomited everywhere, but like, I'm not buying that one. (laughs) And then... Brent Barry jumped from the free throw line. Didn't take the windbreaker off. Didn't take the windbreaker off is yeah. legendary status. Yeah. Um, but my favorite dunk probably will be the future when Andy Ruther decides to give up sex for two years <laughs> so that he can dunk. So that he can dunk. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, this also the seven footer in the dunk contest. Never, it's like it's never been fun. The, the, the biggest. Well, LeBron never did the dunk contest. No. And then, anyway, obviously, LeBron is an all time great. But I think like that is. That that's just him being a little too precious with the career. I think like yeah. every even Kobe did it. Like all yeah. the all the big boys did it. Seems crazy. I think he I think he missed a window, and then probably regrets it. Yeah, probably regret. Like he was probably too focused on winning the All Star Game MVP at twenty four. Right. You know, it's like, dude, win the dunk contest at twenty four. You can win the All Star Game MVP in your forties. And that, that's kind of one thing that's happened with the um, the dunk contest. We used to have the, all the stars, yeah, and now we got guys who literally don't play, right? Who are, who are out there at their practices just warming up, like Dwight Howard. Pra- well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just practicing dunks. Be nice to get some, you know, some some of the legends, you know, the young stars in the game doing it. We'll wrap it up with this. Uh, I want your thoughts on the college football national championship game, which is is that tonight? No, this is my biggest problem. It's not. It's next Monday. Is it? Yes. Oh, they, they, so we they, don't even have to preview this. There's no reason to preview it. It's except, next Monday. Except I, it, I have a big issue with it. It's two weeks. They took a month to do the BCS, and then now they're doing Super Bowl bye week. This is all the reasons I want. This is all the reasons I want uh, a 16 team college football tournament. Because what? Why do I need months and months off? I need uh, pl- like 
Is it six weeks from the end of the regular season? Yeah. Well, it's the championship at least. The championships like the uh, for the the conferences are like the first week of December. I didn't understand. I saw this. I did a double take. I was like, and I, and I think I have to. I have to say, I think some of this is scheduling. the The premiere of The Bachelor is tonight on oh, ABC. That's precisely why they're doing it, right? I think that has to be it. That's they, incredible. They want all the eyes uh, for the Disney. Do you watch The Bachelor? I do. I, I sent out a tweet today. Have, have you always watched The Bachelor? No, I, I did. A, I talked about this on, on a friend's podcast. One of my buddies years ago was a talent wrangler on The Bachelor. And he brought his bu- the, the, the guy he was wrangling to our apartment complex. This was on, oh, okay, so he wrangled The Bachelor. No, no, one of the final fours of The Bachelorette. Okay, got it. And they came over, and they were taking a trip to Hawaii for the final four, and they were doing shots. And I did uh, some, a shot with them, and I was like, I want to see what this guy, ends up, how he ends up doing. And it sucked me in. And so now, like, I, I call it social sport, where people are like, I'm just, like, watching people competitively do like reality shows like the challenge or survivor yeah shows are just like just about like gameplay i'm a big game theorist i like gameplay so it sucked me in and today i saw um as i told you um two former contestants of the bachelor franchise won the millie maker and for DraftKings. and there's a controversy brewing there's a scandal because they said they colluded to win the millie maker so this is all just press for the Bachelor as well. I think it's amazing, convenient that it happens on the night of yeah. the premiere. I of the Bachelor. I watched the first season of the Bachelor one time. I was snowed in in a uh, lodge in in Vermont, and I watched after it had happened, like some uh, you know marathon replay of the first season, and then never looked at it again ever. I think there's been like thirty of them until last year with the with. The season of the Bachelorette that the Bachelor has come from, Pilot Pete, correct, has come from, and I want I want you to know my Prenostradamusing works just as well. Oh yeah, Bachelor Bachelorette. My girlfriend started watching the. She's like, you gotta watch it. I watch this every week. I'm like, I really don't want to do this. She's like, watch it. First episode, I was like, I hate this girl, Hannah. I think she sucks. And she's like, she's so great. She's strong. Blah blah blah. I'm like, I watched ten episodes of this girl having. Literal nervous breakdown. She's like, I just can't believe I'm doing that. I'm like, you're on a reality show. Fucking relax. Come to the end. She picks the worst dude ever. Just like embarrasses herself. Picks some short ass guy who plays fucking guitar songs. Yep. Embarrassing. I just, I, and I said earlier, I said, Hannah sucks. And the whole year I'm arguing with all these girls. And then at the end, they're like, yeah, Hannah kind of sucks. <laughs> I was like, I know. Look. We all got sucked into it. If you're a sports fan, when um, uh, Aaron Rodgers' brother ended up winning the Bachelorette, and like he, right. he, they went did a hometown visit, and they just, they couldn't bring Aaron Rodgers, and he got into it. Like, there's always weird sports ties to the Bachelor Bachelorette, but I, but my belief is that they are pushing the, the the championship final because they don't want to interrupt the Bachelorette or the the Bachelor premiere. Well, that's good. We can. Uh... We can push our our college football preview to next week. I will say this: I would I really am pulling for. Um, LSU to get it done. Um, there's a lot of action right now. Apparently on LSU, it's six or six and a half. Feels like a lot of points against a national champion. Yeah. Um, but but you if you're even if you are a pro, uh, a pro fan who watches college like casually, you have that's, to be excited. That's me. That's you. But you have to be excited because I think you're going to see the number one draft pick this year and next year at quarterback. Yeah. So that's yeah. got to be exciting to watch. I'm see, you know two great in theory quarterbacks going at it. Should be a lot of fun. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I, I honestly, this is how casual I am as a college football fan. I was like, we have to preview the game. I think it's tonight. It's next week. That's so we did a bachelor preview instead. <laughs> Pilot re- Pete on ABC tonight. Really makes me happy. So, Chug, thank you f- always for for stepping in when we need you. Um, called you last minute. He said, "I'll be there." Anything to avoid hanging out with my kids? Uh, anything? Anybody should follow you. Watching what's going on in t- in Tug Nation. Yeah, for those of you who know, I get a, a, a podcast. Uh, if you're if you or anyone you know is into wine, my my wife and I talk a little bit about wine. Pretty fun. Try to dumb it down for everyone. Keep it kind of casual. Called the Long Finish. So check that on Instagram. Long Finish. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. And I am actually doing a little acting work this week. So hopefully uh, in a few weeks we'll have a chance to announce uh, some fun that I'm putting together. So uh, thank you to everyone that continues to converse with me on social media. And a big shout out to Joe. Thank you for having me on. But also I want to say a shout out to Andy and the Ruther family. I hope um, thinking of you guys and, and wishing you all the best. Same uh, from from the right side, from Andy's seat in the couch. Uh, I don't like sitting on this side of the couch. No, you don't look good there. It, it's it's it doesn't suit me. This is Andy's spot. I never, I I always feel fine when I leave and you sit in my spot. Things feel weird when I'm here sitting in Andy's spot. Andy captains this ship. We as you as you know, if you're not watching this on YouTube, it's a lot of stuff we can't do without him. We need Andy back, um, and we hope he's back soon. And we hope he's back uh, at full strength. But uh, everybody. I think any kind words to Andy Ruther right now uh, via social media would be appreciated. Um, thank you for supporting the show. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, we will uh, be back soon. Follow me at Joe Prado on Instagram, uh, at Fix Your Life on Twitter, uh, Andy Ruther at Andy Ruther across all social medias. And don't forget to stay dirty.